Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. John chapter 19, verse 5. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. That's what I want us to focus our attention upon. Behold the man. Those words, though probably spoken in jest by Pilate, contain the very essence of the gospel. I believe the heart of the gospel message is in these words, Behold the man. There is but one message, and that message is Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. All other messages, if they are indeed a message from the Lord, are messages that flow from the fountain of the cross. This message deals with the sin problem, the social problem, and the secular problems that have been polluted by Satan's perversion. This message deals with the eternal issues of heaven and hell. It is impossible for an individual to behold the man, Jesus Christ, lifted on the cross and remain the same. Beholding the man, Jesus, lifted on the cross will either draw you to him or it will drive you from him. One cannot behold the man and remain the same. You see, I believe it is an absolute spiritual impossibility for one to behold the man, Jesus, lifted, paying the full price for his sins on Sunday and omit him on Monday. I don't believe you and I can behold Jesus Christ lifted, sacrificing, suffering the agony of the cross, And then complain about commitment to him. Behold the man. I want us this morning to behold the man in the court. That'll take the first eight verses of John chapter 19. Behold the man in the court. Now in the full account of the gospels, Jesus had six trials. Three were Jewish and three were Roman. The three Jewish, he was before Annas and before Caiaphas 
and before the Sanhedrin. The three Roman, he was before Herod, or before Pilate, then before Herod, and then before Pilate again. Someone has searched the record and has come to the conclusion that there are at least 22 and possibly as many as 43 illegal transactions during this proceeding. Two things I want you to notice with me about beholding the man in the court. First, I want you to notice his vicious treatment. Now, I want you to understand something this morning very clearly. What is happening to Jesus in the court is happening to a man who is yet has who is yet has not been found guilty. This is happening to an innocent person. Everyone look at me. This is happening to an innocent person. All right? Now, this vicious treatment that is happening in the court, three things very clearly in these verses. First, I want you to notice his vicious treatment, the scourging. Verse 1, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now, you and I, if we aren't careful, we just read over things as if they're there to fill in space. They aren't. Scourging. In scourging, an individual is stripped of his clothing. He is bent over and tied to a pillar about this high. And then the scourge is about 12 inches long except the handle. And then it is made up of leather thongs. Some of them are just tied in knots. Others have lead balls. Other, and some of the thongs have pieces of glass or steel or whatever they can get made into them. Dr. John Phillips said that the first lick by a scourge would knock all the breath out of a man. The second would open the flesh and even go so far as to say that a skilled surgeon could have an individual bleeding over his entire body. Now, it is estimated that Jesus suffered scourging for 30 minutes. When one scourger got tired, he just handed the scourge to another, and he was beaten for 30 minutes. Now, Dr. Phillips went on to say that as he was beaten, Vital organs are exposed. His back is nothing but a bleeding mass of exposed nerves. Now, look at it, folks. There's absolutely nothing pretty about that picture, is there? As a matter of fact, you don't even want your children to see that, do you? If that were on television, what would it be rated? 
would you allow your children to see that on television? Now, you do your best to keep it from them. That's why we have covered up Calvary. We have made it something acceptable. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's one of the most horrific, hellish scenes you'll ever see. There's nothing pageantry or pretty about Calvary. It's a bloody, hellish mess. Isaiah 53.2 says, There is no form or comeliness about him. And there isn't. Most individuals died during the scourging. And those that lived were marred for the rest of their lives. This is happening to a man against whom no charges have been brought yet. He's innocent. Why is he there? Why is this happening to him? Why? Love. Seems to be so simple, doesn't it, when we say it? A second thing, and beholding the man in the court is vicious treatment, the scourging. And then secondly, there are the soldiers in verses 2 and 3. It reads, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, And they put on him a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. This crown of thorns they made. It's those long eastern thorns. And they make this crown of thorns. And they place it on his brow. Not just placing it there. Then they take that wreath. They beat those thorns into his brow. And they take that purple robe and they place it on him. And it remains there until later they peel it off and it's there just long enough for that blood that is on his back to begin to dry and stick. And then when they peel it off, it starts that process all over again. And they say, Hail, King of the Jews. This is their mock worship. This is... I want you young people to listen to me for one minute. Do you remember the story of Samson? And when Samson fell, they, they, they made mockery of him. They made sport of Samson. That's what they're doing with Jesus. He's their sport. They're laughing at him. That's what these soldiers are doing. Jesus is made sport of when they put that robe on him 
put that crown on him. And they say, Hail, King of the Jews. It's madness and mockery. It's mock worship. I wonder what we do sometimes when we come to church. And our minds and hearts are a thousand miles away. When you came this morning, did you have any idea in your heart and mind of meeting with Jesus and hearing from him? Now, in the fuller account of the gospel, it says not only that, well, let me deal with this other. The third thing in the vicious treatment, there's the scourging, and then there's the soldiers, and then there is the smiting, and they smote him. Now, the tense of the verb indicates that they continued to slap Jesus' face. Not just once, but they continued to slap Jesus. And the fuller account of the Gospels, they also plucked his beard. Now, your husband is probably the tallest man here, right? You. But uh, I'm not going to do it, but you can. You can make him cry pretty easy. You know that? All you got to do is get that beard in the right spot. Any, any of you ladies who have a husband with facial hair, you can just make them cry. Of course, you can make them cry anyway, but I mean. <laughs> but facial hair is tender. You know, all you ladies spend all this time pluck, 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 pluck. Uh, and then you paint, 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 where you pluck, <laughs> pluck, pluck. Um, I know one lady that I don't know if it was something wrong or whatever. But she plucked them all out, everyone, everyone. Keep them all plucked out, and then she paints back in. Uh, now, don't misunderstand me. No man wants a forest up here, but you know, it. Uh... So you pluck in the right place and paint in the right place, and everything will be all right. Uh... But even that can be a little painful, right? But facial, facial hair is tender, and they pluck out his, and they pluck his beard. No thought. I mean, these rough Roman soldiers are skilled at inflicting pain. And the more pain they can inflict, the greater their sense of accomplishment. That's the vicious treatment in the court. And I remind you again that all of this has happened before the man is found guilty of anything. 
Now, the second thing I want you to notice in the court is a vacillating testimony. That's, that's Pilate in verses 4 through 8. Pilate is a man who just can't really seem to make his mind up. He seems to, don't get too mad at me. Well, go ahead. I'm temporary. Uh, Pilate, Pilate seems to be something of a politician. He's appointed, but you'd think he was running for office. He kind of goes with the wind. Uh, public opinion. That's why, why do you think he sent Jesus to Herod? I'll tell you why. He wanted Herod to make the decision. He didn't want to have to make the decision. He wanted somebody else to make the decision, get Jesus off his hands. Herod wouldn't do it, send him back. So here he is again. He goes out four times, four times to try to say to these people, this man has done nothing worthy of death. I've scourged him, I've beat him, I've done all of this, and I can't find a single thing. This man is innocent. And what do they say? If you don't do this, you're not Caesar's friend. Verse 8 says, he's afraid. So he says, okay, have it your way. He just blows with the wind. He vacillates back and forth. Now these people, they wouldn't come inside the judgment hall because the next day was Passover and they would pollute themselves if they came in, but they could stand out where they were and cry, crucify him. What a paradox. Pilate finally gets a little bit of a backbone. In verse 19 and 22, Pilate says, about the title. What I've written, I've written. He finally made a decision and he didn't back down from that decision, but it was a decision about the title, not about the person. I don't think Pilate could really decide what was important. Now, if I were to ask you right now, what is important? What's most important? Is it the spiritual or the social? While we're in church, so naturally, we're going to say the spiritual is more important than the social, aren't we? Well, before we answer, there are two books you need to look at. You need to look first at your calendar, and then you need to look at your checkbook. Your time and your treasure. Where are those two things? What has priority there? And that will really tell you what's important. What has priority? Behold the man in the court, an innocent man, done nothing amiss. 
Pilate goes out four times. This Wednesday night, we're going to behold the man on the cross. Years and years and years ago, school was having a very, very difficult time. They couldn't keep a teacher. Every teacher they had either got beat up and left or it just got so rough that the teacher just couldn't handle it and the teacher left. A recent college graduate went to, I guess what you would call the superintendent and asked for a job. And the superintendent said, you don't want that job said they've run off or they've beat up every teacher that I've tried to put there. Young fella, after a few minutes of silent prayer, said, I'll accept the challenge. He said, all right. So the next day, he went to that school. He stood before that class, and he said, now, young people, I'm here to conduct school. But I can't do that by myself. I need your help. One great big fella back in the back said to his friend sitting there, said, I don't need any help, so I can whip that little tig by myself. And he said this to them. He said, uh, we're going to need some rules. But I'm not, going, I'm not going to make the rules. You are. If you make the rules and I'll write them on the board. They thought, now that's strange, isn't it? So, they, one shouted out, be on time. He put it up there. One, the other one said, do you work? He put it up there. One said, don't steal. He put it up there. Another said this. And finally, they had ten rules that they had made up on the board. He said, now, rules are no good if you don't have a punishment for breaking the rules. So what's that? They said, ten licks with the rod with your coat off. Very specific. He thought that was a little severe, so he asked again. He said, are you sure? Absolutely. Ten licks with a rod with your coat off. Okay. Everything went well, three or four days. Then that great big fella that said, I can whip him, don't need any help. His lunch got stolen. Hmm. So here he comes in all mad. His lunch is stolen. What are they going to do about it? So they begin to investigate. They find out that the littlest, scrawniest fellow in the class had stolen his lunch. And when he's confronted, he admits that he stole his lunch. 
So you know what that means. Yes, sir. So it comes up before the class. He admits that he stole the lunch. And he tells him, take your coat off. It's a big coat he has on. And he says to the teacher, said, I, now I, I stole the lunch, and I'm sorry. But please don't make me take my coat off. The teacher said, no, I'm sorry, but the rules say with your coat off. So he began to unbutton the coat. And when he got where he could see, he saw that he didn't have a shirt on. And he said, Tim, why don't you have a shirt on? He said, teacher, my dad is dead, and my mama's sick, and I don't have but one shirt. And mama's washing that shirt today, and I wore my big brother's coat so I could stay warm. Took the coat off. And you could see his ribs protruding, spine. The teacher said, there'd be no way, no way can I hit that little fella with this rod. He said, but if I don't, then school client. I won't have, I won't have any authority at all. Tears in his eyes, getting ready to hit that little fella. And that great big old fella that, whose lunch he stole, he stood up and he said, Teacher, is there anything in those rules that say I can't take his licks? Teacher said, No. So great big Tom pushed those desks aside and went up there and took his coat off and he just laid over that little fella. And the teacher drew back and got to five and when he hit the fifth lick that rod broke and the teacher sat down the face and hands crying and everybody in that room was crying. That little fellow turned around and grabbed him by the neck, apologized, said, I love you for taking my licks, and I'll love you till the day I die. Now, folks, I, I, I want to tell you, I want to ask you something. In light of Calvary and Jesus bearing your sin in his body, on the tree and being wounded for your transgressions and Jesus taking your licks. Don't you think it's time? Don't you think it's time that we just said to him, I love you and I'm going to renew my heart and I'm going to love you. Till I die with passion. Now, if you're here this morning 
and you've never been to the foot of the cross. You've never trusted Jesus. Most of what I've said this morning don't mean a thing to you. But I want you to understand, Jesus loves you. And you're why he went to the cross. And he will save you today. And it'd be a privilege for me or Jason to meet you this morning here and from the word of God show you how you can be saved. But I want you to know Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all just for you. And because he paid it all, I'll love him till I die. And then I'll know what love is and love him forever. Father, thank you.